Last week we looked at the first seven verses. Tonight we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. Uh, and then, Lord willing, next week we'll finish out chapter 16. But this is really, you know, and again, it, it's block upon block. It's, it's chapter on chapter, verse on verse. And it's a blessing when you go through Revelation that way. You can really see a great order to it. Uh, I know a lot of people steer clear of this book saying, you know, it's just, it's, it's just too all over the place. And, and there, we can't find an order. And yet there's a, there's a clear order in it. Remember going back to even in the first chapter where John's told to write the things that he sees, the things that are, the things that will come next. Talking about seeing the life of death and resurrection of Christ, the things that are, the church age, that's where we are now. The things after this, those are the things in the great tribulation that we've been looking at. And uh, praise God as well in that first chapter. And I'll take you back to this over and over again where it says, blessed are those who read and hear and keep the promises of this book. And so we want to do that. We want to walk in the counsel here in this, uh, in this, uh, in this letter, in this epistle. Uh, and absolutely, we want to abound as well in what this, you know, what this title really entails. It's, it's the revelation of Jesus. And we've been learning more and more about our Lord in this, and that's a glorious thing. That's, that's the best thing about the whole book. We learn more about Jesus Christ. And we get all kinds of insights into glory in heaven. And then also we're, we're, we're told how this dispensation is going to end and what's next in the millennial reign of Christ and eventually a new heaven and a new earth. And those are exciting, exciting things. We have insights that the world around us does not have. So again, coming to 16, it, it, it really, what we're looking at here was first, the groundwork was laid for these bowls of wrath in chapter 15. And through this, through, through the great tribulation that we've been looking at, remember it starts with these seal judgments that are in the first half of the tribulation, and then it moves into the trumpet judgments, which seem to be, you know what, moving into the second half, that second half, three and, a year, three and a half years, and then these bold judgments are definitely in the second half that really, they come to a head at the literal second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there in Revelation 15, John sees a sign in heaven, and remember he had seen another sign in heaven earlier in the book, which really had to do with uh, Satan's fall, a third of the angels falling with him, the promise of the son, the woman being Israel, who the son came through, uh, Satan wanting to, or the dragon wanting to devour the son, but him being caught up, really talking about the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, and then that dragon going after the woman, wanting to destroy her and God saying I'm going to keep her and though we know again many of the Jews in Israel will be killed in the second half of the tribulation God's going to preserve a remnant that's going to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that was that first sign and then the second sign is literally again in the second half of the tribulation as well these are major events in the history of the world and these are events that are going to happen that we're seeing in this other sign that he's talking about in Revelation 15 of really the final pouring out of God's wrath here on earth. And again, we've been talking a lot about the wrath of God and the judgment of God and the wrath of God being poured out here on earth, talking about how God has balanced books. God is a God of mercy, but if you want to reject that mercy, you're going to store up wrath. And then listen, there's a greater wrath of eternal wrath for those that reject Christ in a place called hell that Jesus talked about far more than he ever talked about heaven 
because he doesn't want anyone to go there. And he laid down his life and took the wrath due us to pay the penalty of our sin that if we call on him, we'll receive forgiveness and absolutely be under the grace of God and so forth. What a glorious place to be. Are you there tonight in that relationship with Christ? Look, that's the best place. That's the most, that's the most secure place to be in all the world tonight. You know, there's people running around looking for security in this, that, or the other. You know, some people hunkering down, you know, in places of isolation and all these various things. But the most secure place to be in all the world is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Walking with him, abounding in him, knowing you're in his hands, knowing that he's going to go before you. Knowing even as we talked about on Sunday that those that have called upon his name, those that love God, that he's even preordained our steps in Christ. And so it's a glorious thing, a glorious, you know, a truth and assurance. And we want to absolutely abound in that in the midst of all of these things. So again, there in Revelation 15, 1, he says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And then we get in here to chapter 16, and we see these angels. We see the bowls of wrath that they have. And again, in this, God's judgment here on earth is completed. His wrath is poured out on the sins of men who we've looked at several passages of this passages that talks about the sins of man finally, you know, at coming to the top of this bowl and now wrath being poured out. And I love it there in Revelation 15, 1, where it says it's this is great and marvelous. And we've touched on this a lot, and I'll I'll touch on it again a little more tonight and next week in this chapter, because it's so key. Because when we talk about the wrath of God, look at it, it makes a lot of people get cringy. It makes them get uncomfortable. It even makes oftentimes Christians, you know, not know, they, they don't know how to respond that God's a God of wrath. And that Jesus is the one that comes back in Revelation 19, and he's the one that tramples the nations and so forth. Because we've had pushed on us so much, again, that God is love, and indeed he is but a redefining of what that love is in, in, you know, in this culture that we're in today, meaning God's loving and that he just loves everything and accepts everything and everything's going into glory and so forth. And that's a lie. Look, at here's the truth. God hates sin, sin damn souls to hell. God loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us, to take the wrath through us, that whoever calls on his name will be saved. That's the love of God. But God's also a God of judgment and a God of wrath. And if you reject that, as so many do, and again, this world's wanting to push God out, the time's coming when that's going to be put down and the wrath of God will be poured out. And that is a great and a marvelous thing. It's not great and marvelous in that men, again, will be judged for eternity and eternal hell. God takes no pleasure in the death of men, even in the death of the wicked, we read in Ezekiel. But it's great and marvelous in that, and again, I rejoice in this, this is going to get wrapped up. The way things are right now, it's going to get wrapped up. And it needs to be because man is, is on a collision course with total destruction if God doesn't intervene and wrap it up. I mean, we are, as a, as a, as a, as a whole society in this world, I'm not talking about those walking with Christ. Hopefully, we're abounding in the Lord the road of the righteous leads upward. The road of the wicked leads downward. We read in Proverbs, we want to be on that road winding upward, which sometimes that's a harder trek to walk up uphill than downhill. Has anyone, you know, notice that? Like 
up versus down, but it is in a, with a, you know, a collision course of destruction. In fact, the Lord himself said, if the Lord doesn't return, there'd be nothing left to return to. And we're coming very soon to the day when God's going to wrap this up and he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be great. It's going to be marvelous. And again, even in God's judgment, it's great and marvelous because God is even glorified in his judgment. Listen, justice when it's served is a glorious, glorious thing. And even in this life, when there's heinous crimes committed and the people that commit those crimes are, are you know, tried and found guilty and then they're sentenced, that's a glorious thing. It's glorious in the sense of you are paying the price of your sin and justice has been served. Praise God, Jesus paid our penalty for us and, and we rejoice in that as well because on our own, we have no hope. So last week in chapter 16, we actually started seeing these bowls of wrath being poured out. We saw the first was foul and loathsome sores that came upon all of those who had taken the mark of the beast and worship the beast. And we'll come back to that at the end of our study here tonight. We saw the second angel poured out his bull on the sea, and it became blood like the blood of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. And interesting, earlier in the judgments in, I believe it was the, the, the trumpet judgments, a third of the sea had, had already, you know, had been... been um, um, you know, it polluted in a judgment and a third of the sea had died. And now here towards the end, everything in the sea dies. And this would be covering oceans and literal sea, salt bodies of salt water. And then the third angel we saw last week pours out his bowl on the rivers and the springs, and they become blood as well. And again, earlier we had seen that happen to a third of those. Now it happens to all of them and absolutely, this is just a picture of, of all, all waters and those things that live in them coming to an end. It's like God just saying, it's, it's almost like, you know, God's in the power plant and he's just shutting it all down. You know, everything that men have taken for granted, everything that God has provided. Again, remember in the tribulation, it's really a world that says, we don't want you, God. We want to be our own God. We want our own Messiah. And the Antichrist will be that for them. And what a loser he is. And this is just God saying, okay, I'm going to shut it down. Because what we see tonight and what we see through all of this, except for a small remnant, and that was even earlier in the tribulation, really what we see in this is even in the midst of God shutting these things down, his provisions, we'll see even, even him shutting the sun down. And, and first of all, I guess cranking it up because we'll see tonight in the fourth bowl, men getting scorched with fire from the sun. And then in the next bowl, the sun being darkened at the same time. And again, God heating it up, then God shutting it down. Again, God provides for us so much, and that in itself should be enough to cause us to repent. You know, the scripture says in Romans, his kindness leads us to repentance. It goes back to the teachings of Jesus where, you know, he sends the rain upon the wicked and on the just alike. 
And yet, again, a world that does not want to give thanks to God, that does not want to acknowledge God, they're not thankful, they're not grateful, as we read there in Romans 1. They don't want to give praise to God. And so, look at eventually, eventually, there's consequences in that. I know some folks, well, wait a minute, you know what's wrong? That's not fair. It is fair because he's God and we're not. And that's what so many people don't get. They think them and God are equals and we're going to sit down and we're going to debate it. No one's debating with the Lord. God is God. He is the potter. We are the clay. We are but dust. And he is just gracious and merciful to absolutely give us this much time to even repent and come to him and make that way of salvation for us. So let's, let's read our text here. That's setting it up where we're going. I know some of this stuff, it's been reviewed multiple times in the course of this, but that's good. Look, a repetition is a good thing. And I think that there's super valuable things here that we got to get a grasp on. Again, going back to even the judgment of the Lord and the wrath of God. These are things we need to understand because, again, there's so much distortion of these things. And so much of that distortion even comes from within the church today. And that's, that's pathetic. So verse 8, it says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. Notice the pattern. No repentance whatsoever. So again, verse 8 9, this fourth angel, he pours out a bowl, and it's poured on the sun, and as a result of this being poured out on the sun, the sun, it seems, heats up, and fire and heat, the scorches men, is poured out upon the earth. So it's kind of like a, a ricochet judgment. We're going we're gonna, to you know, throw it up here, and it's going to come down and be doubled up when it hits the earth down here below. And I, I kind of, you know what, I don't want to say I laugh at this in, in, a, in a sense of you know, making light of it. Because, again, I want to see people repent. I want to see people come to Christ Jesus. But I laugh at it in the sense of this. These folks are finally going to get real global warming. They're going to get real global warming. Because here's the thing about climate change. The climate's always changing. The climate's always been changing in the history of the world. That's the, the, the archaeological record shows us that. Look, if, if you're just in an area for a certain amount of time, you'll see even weather patterns come and go, and you get different seasons with more rain and less and hotter summers and cooler ones, and sometimes you get a few in the row, a few in a row. Then, it, you know, like this, this last winter was a colder winter. And you know what? I know, you know what? Maybe five, six years back, maybe, in, you know, there was a stretch where we weren't having those cold winters, and I know that because I used to have an apricot tree. And apricot trees, they produce a lot of apricots. You know when? When we have a cold winter. Cold winter produces a ton of apricots. And when you don't got a cold winter, when you don't got a lot of freezes, you don't get a whole lot of apricots. Also, when you don't get cold winters, we have the, the trees out here blooming right now. And I've had several people, what kind of tree that is? That's a beautiful tree. I want that tree for my yard. That tree's a fruitless pear tree. You know, why would you make it fruitless? I don't know, but it's a fruitless pear tree. And that tree out there, when you don't get freezes and, and you don't get a cold winter, it can get blight. 
In fact, at one point, some of those trees got blight, and we had to cut them back and dust them with copper. Otherwise, we would have lost them. And so there's climate change all the time. Look at God's a God of variety. God allows the climate to change for different purposes and reasons, even reasons that these geniuses haven't figured out yet, because God's the one that orchestrates all this weather. God's the one that sends the wind where it goes, sends the rain when it comes, brings the sun up every day. He absolutely has it all dialed in. And you see a group of high ups absolutely coming with a green agenda, a Gaia or Mother Earth worship that's just a big lie to basically promote their antichrist agenda. But here's the thing, you peddle a lie long enough, that lie is going to come back on you. And as it says in the Proverbs, if you dig a hole or you dig a pit, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall into it. If you roll a stone back to roll on someone else, eventually it's going to roll on you. And I look at this, and boy, there's no arguing. This absolutely is global warming coming upon them. You reap what you sow. And look at I'm not saying that just to be funny. I really believe that's what that is. Because it's such a wicked agenda out there being pushed to, to, to not only push an Antichrist agenda, but just to strip people of their rights. And we're getting to get into the second, even changing the ordinances of God. Because here's the deal. The earth was created for man. Man wasn't created for the earth. Did you hear that tonight? And even as a believer, you need to hear it because a lot of believers start getting weird with this stuff when they put their Bible to the side. The earth was created for man to have dominion over, not for the earth to have dominion over man. Now, we should be good stewards of it, 100%. Pick up your trash, mow your lawn, keep things in order, glorify God in that. You're going to be a better witness to your neighbors and so forth. And a lot of times, economically, it works out better as well when you recycle properly and so forth. But this is a world that wants to worship the earth versus worshiping God. And they're pushing these agendas that are rooted in lies because... I think according to Al Gore, we're supposed to all be underwater right now. It's, you know, it's just, these are liars. They're filthy liars, but they're going to get, again, what they want, though they really don't want it. So look at the sun's not the earth, but it gives and sustains life on the earth. And this life-giving, you know what, light in the sky is going to be greatly effective, affected. Again, the sun, vitamin D, better than any pill you can take. The real vitamin D with the real stuff. All kinds of things you get from the sun. You're not going to get in that little pill. Power, uh, sight, food, warmth. We could go on and on and on with all the things that, again, the sun gives. Without it, everything practically dies. It gets heat up, things die. Again, very much symbolic of the Son of God. No Jesus, no life. No Jesus, no life. You know what I'm saying? If there is N-O Jesus, there is N-O life. But to K-N-O-W Jesus is to K-N-O-W life. Now power is given to this angel to scorch men with fire. It makes me wonder if all the angels are like, I want that one. You know, like... You know, these, these, these blasphemers, you know, it, it, it reminds me of, uh, of uh, was it James and John, the sons of thunder, where there were Samaritans that uh, they, they rejected Christ, and they're like, Lord, let us call down fire from heaven like Elijah did and scorch him. 
And remember the Lord said, I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save them. And eventually many of those Samaritans came to the Lord. A revival actually broke out there. But look at if men want to reject the loving and saving salvation plan of Christ, eventually that fire is going to come down and scorch. Uh, very interesting, the word scorch here, it means to burn or to make glow. And fire here means fiery lightning. And it, it very much, you know, when I read this, I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, who we've heard back to several times in this study. In fact, Jesus said the days of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom, where we read that God literally pours out fire and poured out fire and brimstone again on a, on a culture they didn't want God. They had the witness of the Lord given to them over and over again. They rejected the Lord. They embraced their own way. And eventually there was a judgment. Also, again, more than that, it's very much a picture or a reminder of hell where the Lord talks about a flame that is never quenched. And absolutely, those that reject the Lord at the great white throne judgment, they're going to have a type of resurrected body and they're going to be in that flame eternally. I know a lot of people want to explain that away or say, you know, well, that's not actually what it says there. Listen, that's actually what it says there. So unless you want to bring your agenda into the scripture, which a lot of false teachers want to do, because it appeals to the, appeals to, appeals to the carnality of man. It appeals even to the Christian that, you know what, wants to be a PR man for God's word, and we may make it more palatable for fallen men. no. God's word puts it really clear. There's going to be a flame there that never quenches. And that should be something that on one hand absolutely stirs our heart to give praise to Jesus who took the wrath to us, but also stirs our heart to share Jesus with people. Maybe some of y'all tonight, you need your heart stirred for those in your life that don't know the Lord, that you're not praying for, that you're not concerned for their soul. We need to be stirred in that area continually. Also, again, as it's talking about scorching, burning and glowing, uh, fire, fiery lightning. I think of those fiery serpents that came out to the Israelites when they, they brought in the Moabite women and fornicated. And I also think about Jesus when the 70 went out and they were rejoicing that even the demons were subjected to them in Jesus' name. And the Lord says, look at rejoice that your name's written in heaven he also said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And last week we talked about those getting that mark and those sores coming out. And we'll go back to that at the end here because that comes up again. And that seems like it's the product again of, of that mark absolutely being something that brings a demonic entity into these individuals and then those sores, it's, you know, a sore is an infection from a parasite. And it seems that the infections that they get is from the parasite of either a demon or singularity of, you know, at a DNA change, what this world is trying to condition everyone for. And, and you see those sores aren't just normal sores. They're like supernatural sores as a result of just this demonic mixing and again, where it says fiery or fire being fiery lightning, we see those pictures of the demonic in the wrath that comes upon men. It's almost like a thing. If you want to reject God and worship demons, God will even use those very demons that are going to be in the lake of fire forever right now to torment individuals that want to shun them. 
And you even see that pattern in the scripture. And again, let's remember during the second half of the tribulation, it's not going to be, you know what, dragon worship in the closet. It's going to be dragon worship on a worldwide scale where all the world's going to worship the beast and the dragon. And that's going to collapse on them very, very quickly. This whole beast system uh, that, again, really comes to the forefront in the second half. Take the mark, worship the beast. That, that, that's only going to work for a short time. And these bowls of wrath are going to come and absolutely start to be poured out. God's not going to let them flourish for even three and a half years. They might get three and a half weeks or three and a half months, but they're not getting three and a half years. Their little agenda is going to start imploding right away. Now, you think about even the earth and the sun. Look at you, you move the earth a little closer or, or the sun a little closer and you get this scenario. Isn't God awesome and how he's just set everything perfectly? And again, the sun comes up every day and it's a reminder to us, it should be a reminder that his mercies are new every morning. And absolutely, when that sun comes up, praise God, as it says there in Lamentations 3, 22 and 24, it, it's it's his mercies new every morning let that be a reminder of god almighty sending the sun and the rain to give him praise these people don't do that now i've heard at times and we got a little more to talk about on the, on all this there's a lot here but i've heard people even uh you know take this passage maybe you heard this before and i, I want to address it and i know that there is a, a lot more skin cancer nowadays than there used to be and I've actually heard people say, you know what, that skin cancer running around is people getting burned by the sun. And the Bible talked about that. That's that bowl of wrath being poured out that the Bible, they don't know what they're talking about in that. <laughs> now listen, these skin conditions and cancers that do come from the sun, it is the result of the sin of man. I'm not saying the individual that gets that, but we do read, and again, this ties into the judgments at the end because God says, Men forget about the judgment of the flood, and in that they forget that God's going to judge again with fire. But we read that when that worldwide flood came in Noah's days, that the firmament above the earth broke, and the water came down. And absolutely, it's the reason why before the flood, men lived longer, and after the flood, they lived shorter because when the firmament broke, absolutely, there's a far more uh, greater exposure to the radiation of it. And we know that judgment came because of the sin of men. Because it says their hearts were on evil continually. There was great violence in the earth. And we see that in our world today, just as the Lord said that we would. Now, again, this, this, this bowl of wrath of the sun heating up and scorching men with fire and great heat. This isn't the only place where we read about this judgment. This judgment's talked about in other places in the scripture. There's a lot of prophecy about it. And it's just on my heart to go to Isaiah 24 as it talks about, you know, at the inhabitants of the earth being burned and it's not talking about the final judgment we'll see and it gives reasons why reasons why this is going to happen now we've been looking at this but i i think this is a, a a great passage that can really help bring insights to why these things are going to happen and you're going to see real clearly that we're close to the end of the age 
because what we see here is something that's happening all over the earth, not just in isolated places. Notice Isaiah 24, 4. It says, the earth moans and fades away. And remember in our study in Romans, we read there recently where how the earth, it is moaning, yearning for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God or the second coming of Christ. And it's, it fades away. And indeed it is. It says the world languishes and fades away. And that's talking about, you know, the population. There, there's a, a, a languishing in, in the hearts of men. You do studies today about, you know, depression and hopelessness. And, you know, those studies are just, it shows there's, there's a great hopelessness and depression that is just going off the charts right now. I'm sure all of you guys tonight know people that are just, you know, walking around with their head down and they're getting worn down. And that's happening because, again, the sins of men and men in high places that want to bring oppression. I serve a God in high places who brings liberty and freedom and strength. So it says the world languishes and fades away. And then it says the haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants. So this is talking about, you know, the earth itself as well as the population of the earth being defiled because of sin. And in fact, it says because they have transgressed laws. And I want to key on these two phrases here in a second. Change the ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth. Again, that goes back to the curse in the garden. And those who dwell in it are desolate. And then notice here, this ties into this this judgment that we're reading about. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men are left. The context of Isaiah 24 is the day of the Lord, the tribulation. And so he says, because of these things, because the the world languishes and fades away, and it's going to be really doing that in the tribulation, the world's defiled in their sin, um, you know, the transgressions, the changing of ordinances and covenant. As a result, the curse is devouring them. And again, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. There's a burning that, that's coming with this. But notice, this isn't the end of the age quite yet because it says few men are left. Now, I kind of laugh because in a roundabout way, that's already the case because there's not a lot of men running around, I'll tell you that. There's, there's a lot of guys that, you know what, you know, they're over 18 and technically are, they're a men, but men of God, there aren't a whole lot of them. There's very few real men upon this world because if they were, there wouldn't be men competing with women in athletics. Real men say that. No, I'm against that because real men protect women. And that's just one area of many where you just see there's not real men running around. Real men, again, raise their families in God's word. Real men have a fear of God in their hearts. Real men seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and so on and so forth. And it just even disgusts me, even within the church, you know, there, there's been a popularity coming up. We're men and it's all about, if you're a man, you got to go out and hunt and kill bears and stuff. Look at most of those dudes do that as an idol to try to bring it in under a banner of we serve God. Look at real men fear God. You can do that and fear God. You can also be a dude that works in the kitchen like Jacob did and fear God. But bottom line, real men, there's few of them left on the earth. There really are. So this though is even talking about literal few men left on the earth. 
In fact, in some of the, in some of the uh, scriptures that talk about the great tribulation, the day of the Lord, it talks about men, and this is again literal men, not real men, but literal men are, are as rare as gold. So this is, again, we, we've been going through this, and we see with these judgments, a third of the population, a third of the population, a quarter of the population. It's just, it's just men getting whittled down and mankind getting whittled down. Now, again, notice here, and, and this is on my heart just to touch on this. It says they change the ordinance. This world is changing the ordinances of God. This isn't talking about churches bringing in false teaching and twisting the word though absolutely that brings a judgment from god this is talking about original ordinances given from god at the very beginning to mankind and these ordinances being changed look with me there at genesis 1 the first chapter 26 through 28 and i'll point out six ordinances given by god and show you clearly how these things are being changed. I've already touched on, touched on it a little bit. It says, then God said, let us make, that's the first ordinance, man in our image, that's the second ordinance, according to our likeness, that's the third ordinance. Let them have dominion over the fish uh, of the sea, over birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all the creeping things that creep on the earth. That's a fourth ordinance. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created him. That's a fifth ordinance. And then God said to them, and then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's a sixth ordinance. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's six clearly there, and there's probably some that I'm missing. So that first ordinance let us make. And here's the deal. God's the one who's made everything. In the beginning, again, God created. He created everything. He created in six literal days, and he rests a literal 24 hours. And he said, as I rested for 24 hours, on the seventh day, I want you to rest for 24 hours. Context, it's 24 literal six-day periods where he created everything. He rested on a seventh. You can't get anything other than that out of the context if you fear God when you study the Bible. But that's being changed, isn't it? That's been changed big time. Some fool came up with some idea that, you know what? No, billions of years it took for us to get everything created. And it's time plus slime. It's just luck and chance that we are where we are now. And some fool went and, you know what? Visited some island where he saw a duck-billed platypus and said, Oh, I figured it out. A mammal with a beak, you know what, a, a, a mammal with a duck bill. All this is just, you know what, things changing and things evolving. There ain't a shred of evidence for it. Not a shred of evidence for it. Again, DNA has information. That information is for each of its kind. Within each of its kind, there's varieties. Look around here tonight. There's some variety in the room, is there not? But I haven't seen any monkeys coming here with a Bible tonight. And no one has a mama who's a monkey. None of this is observed. But it's been changed. Our children are taught in schools that we fund with our tax dollars that they're the product of time plus slime, just chance, and a monkey one day produced a baby. That is a fat 
lie that does not have any backing, you know, with real science whatsoever. What it is, it's a lie put forth so that men can try to sin in comfort. Because if God created the world, guess what that means? You're going to give account to God who created the world. But that's been changed. And it's lunacy is what it is. It's, it's, again, it's pseudoscience. It's utter nonsense. And hear this, God didn't create the world through evolution. And if you're believing that, you need to get checked by Scripture because Scripture does not teach that. And Scripture supersedes pseudoscience at every single turn. And some of these people come along like, you know, the scientists, we got to make the Bible fit science because the Bible's not a scientific book. That's a lie. It absolutely is. But that's been changed. So again, let us make God created. That's been changed. Man in our image. Look at men and women, mankind, they're created in the image of God Almighty. And just as we have a call to give reverence and respect to God, we have a call to give reverence and respect our fellow brother and sister in Adam. But boy, that is being changed as well. This is a loveless world. This is a world where babies are killed in the millions on a regular basis and we're told that's normal and that's the way that things should be we're living in a world that is marked by mass human trafficking this nation is one of the leaders of it just so you guys know well i'm not going to go there look at (laughs) about to rabbit trail don't need to do that murderers murders galore again it's a violent world we're in a place where people openly on social media rejoice in the deaths of others that have a different position, you know what, on subject matters going on in the world today. We've seen a ton of that the last two years. It's disgusting. Those souls are loved by God. And it seems like we're in a place where these governments just look at men and women as just numbers. In fact, a lot of these guys pushing this you know, a great reset. They just look at mankind as a commodity to them to do their purposes. They're soulless, really, is what they are. And they just look at, look at men, not as men and women created in the image and likeness of God, but just something to use for their advancement, which it seems, and even in their own verbiage, they say, we even want to replace them with some sort of singularity, some mix of machine and man, and we'll get these, you know what, robotic-type slaves that we just can control. Please be educated on this stuff. It is abounding around us. They change the ordinances. They absolutely are. He says, according to our likeness, let's make them. And again, man was created in the likeness of God, and we are called to strive to be Christ-like. Amen? We're called to be like the Lord. But again, we're in a culture where that is not preached and promoted. Oftentimes, even in churches, it's not. This culture seeks self and pleasure first, not to be Christ-like who laid down his life for others and sought the will of the Father first. A popular woman uh, author, supposedly Christian, Shannon showed me this the other day. She just came out with a new book, and this is the title of it. It, it, There's like a one-word title, then underneath it says, Finding Your Way to the Life You've Always Dreamed Of. Do that in Christianity. You think Paul dreamed of, of shipwrecks and being beat 
and, and being forsaken, and the more he loved, the less he loved, and being persecuted for the cause of Christ. Oh, it's all what I dreamed of. No, we're called to be like Christ. Christ laid down his life. But Christ walked in perfect communion with the Holy Spirit and the Father. Look at that's the life that we should want. But those ordinances have been changed. Again, let them have dominion over the fish. The sea already went on and ran on this. Man is above creation. Creation is here to bless man. But you literally see so many and most who worship the earth. And we see this green agenda that's been come in to push an antichrist cause. And then hugely, everyone should know this. God made them male and female. Can we say amen to that tonight? This This is like, again, it's all pseudoscience though. This is observed over and over and over and over and over again, male and female. But again, another Christian book that just came out. Christian book that came out. This is the title, The God and the Transgender Debate. Dude, this ain't no debate. It's like I shared a few weeks ago. We don't argue about this. We prophesy truth about this, male and female. You need to prophesy that into your children's life. You're a male little boy. You're a female little girl. There ain't no debate. There's no debate about this. There's never been a debate about it until the time we're living in now where the ordinances of God are being changed. And then be fruitful and multiply. How does that happen? Through marriage. So it's a call for biblical marriage to build what? To multiply to do what? A biblical family. And we see this even there in Genesis 2 when we get the detailed account of woman being created for man. Where God says it's not good that man's alone. Genesis 2, 18. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. He names all the animals. None of them meet the mark. God takes a rib out of the side of man. He goes into a deep sleep. He forms woman, brings them to Adam. Adam says in verse 23, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man, the masculine shall leave his father be joined and his mother be joined to his wife, the feminine, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and the wife. I'm not ashamed. Notice he didn't put man into a deep sleep and bring another fellow along. I know there's a lot of jokes there. There's a lot of funny things there. Again, I've heard it. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, but it's true. He didn't bring another fellow along. Look at it, it doesn't work. Again, let's talk about real science. That doesn't work, and it actually destroys bodies. In fact, it destroys cultures. It's an abomination against God Almighty. For marriage to be anything else than a man and woman who absolutely have grounds to enter into that marriage biblically, everything outside of that is changing the ordinances of God Almighty. And again, they were to be fruitful and multiply to do what? To build a family. Look at the family unit was around far before any nations, any churches, anything else. Look at cultures are strengthened through a family unit. A man, a woman, in holy matrimony, raising children, preferably in a fear of God and in the way of the Lord. You're going to get a powerful, booming culture when that's the case. But nowadays, that's attacked at every single term. This whole Black Lives Matter is nonsense. It's about destroying the family. I don't know one black person that says, that's my movement. 
Do black lives matter? Yeah, they do. All lives matter as well. They all do. But if you get into the doctrine of that group, it's satanic, it's Marxist, and it's to destroy family units 100%. And we've had it shoved down our throats because they're trying to change the ordinances of God and they're all going to give an account before God Almighty. Look at if you're hearing this tonight, you're going, oh, Steve, you know, Genesis way back there. You're out of touch. Jesus Christ affirmed all of this. So if you got a problem with it, your problem's not with me. It is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was asked about marriage. And he said, have you not read? This is Matthew 19, 4. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man, the masculine and the Greek, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, the feminine and the Greek, and they shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And again, even in that area, ordinance has changed. Well, I'm married, but I'm just not happy anymore. And you know what? I deserve to be happy. So I'm out of here with no grounds whatsoever. We better get a fear of God with these things. Even Christians running around counseling others to abandon a marriage when there's no grounds, you're going to give an account before God with that counsel. God wants you to work through stuff. He wants you to die to yourself, husband and wife, and grow in the Lord. And he will meet submitted hearts when they come before God at every single turn. I've seen my God do miracles, man. The fact I've been married for almost 30 years is a miracle from God from where I was to where, again, we have gone in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God blesses these ordinances here. Life's found in these ordinances. But Satan is a killer, and we see these ordinances, they've been changed all over the place. Do you bear witness to this tonight? Can you not see it tonight? They've also changed the everlasting covenant. What's that? Well, Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The everlasting covenant is Christ crucified and raised from the dead. Man sinned. God said the Savior's going to come. He's going to crush the serpent. The serpent will bruise his heel. Again, the everlasting covenant is Christ. It's faith in him and him alone for salvation. That's going to change all over the place. Malachi 4.1. And we'll go to the next verse. I tell you there's a lot in these verses Malachi 4.1 also speaks of this day, of this bowl of wrath. It says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and that day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. And I think that's speaking to famine, which we'll see here in a second. Again, another picture of famine. But to you who fear my name... The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Does that not sound better? And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked... 
For these shall be ashes under your soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And again, this speaks to the coming of the Lord, where the Lord is going to trample the nations that gather to fight the Lord. And again, he says, you're going to trample them as well, because we're coming back with the Lord. Then notice, though, Psalm 121.5, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Does that not sound better? Is he your Lord tonight? Rejoice. If he is not, you need to call upon Christ and get right with God. We touched a lot of this, but verse 9, the men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. So scorching, being scorched, it's a picture of incredible pain. I mean, you ever get a real bad sunburn? They hurt, don't they? It can be nothing like any of you know anything we've seen. This is this is a, a a next level scorching, and yet even in all of this, they chose they refused to repent and give glory to God. They'd rather suffer than repent. They refused to call upon Him. It's really as close of a picture of hell on earth you're ever going to see. And with hell on earth, they still refuse to repent. And absolutely, look at it, shows us those in hell will want to be there. That's the choice they're making. It's them saying, I would rather be scorched than repent and give glory to God. Now, this is where an idea comes to as well that some people say, well, maybe they can repent from the mark because it says they don't repent but here's the thing, they don't repent, so it's all a wash anyway. And here's another thing as well, which exposes a lie of, of, of Rome, of the Roman Catholic Church. Look at these people are, are, are absolutely having the wrath of God poured out on them like any other time in the history of the world. And the wrath of God does not purify them. There's no such place called purgatory. It's nowhere in the scripture. It was made up for indulge, indulgences to rip people off of money. Give us money and we'll get your loved one out of, out of purgatory. The liar who says he represents Christ who doesn't open up the Bible. But it's this idea of purgatory. I will pay for my sins under wrath. And I'll be purged of my sin as wrath comes upon me. Dude, these guys are having wrath poured upon them and nothing's happening to their sins. In fact, their sin's still multiplying. You want to get out from sin? Call upon Jesus. He is the only way. And anyone that adds anything to that is a liar. It's Christ and Christ alone that saves souls. Look, not only do they not repent, they blaspheme God. To blaspheme, it means to vilify or speak evil of. And it seems they still hold on to this false peace that God's bad, the beast is good, the beast will win out. And sadly, again, missing the absolute truth that God, as it says here in the text, God has power over these plagues. He has power to pour them out. And hear this, God has the power to stop them. In the next chapter, or in a few chapters, Revelation 18, 4 It says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her iniquities. You want the plague stopped? You come out. How do you come out? Through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way. Verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. That does not sound that does not sound fun. So the sun heats up, scorching men, then the sun goes dark. 
It's very much a picture of hell. Hell, again, is an eternal flame with eternal darkness forever and ever and ever. And while they're being scorched through the sun being heated up, now the sun, now it says it goes darkness, and we don't see the sun affected here. There's a darkness that comes upon them. You know, this, this, this could be the sun being darkened, though we read earlier in the tribulation it gets darkened. We don't read that here. This seems like a supernatural darkness that comes upon them. In fact, the word darkness here, it means to obscure or to blind. And the word pain here, it means, it's an interesting word, it means starving or to toil for food. And again, we just read there in in Isaiah where there would not be branch or root. You know, everything's just getting shut down. And it seems that the pain, as we'll see here in a second, is associated with their sores but I don't think it's a stretch at all to say as well they're in a pain because, again, if you look at the word in the Greek, because they're starving and they're toiling for food, there's no food. And the Antichrist has said, look, take the mark, come worship me, come, you know, and worship the image of the beast and you'll be able to buy and sell. That don't do you any good when there's nothing to buy or sell. There's no food. Again, we talked about it. This is how Satan works. He brings forth sin, temptation, he promises the world, and then it's that proverb where it talks about the woman who, the adulteress, her lips drip like honey, you go in, and in her house, it's the stairwell to hell, the stairway to hell. Very much like the, you know, judgment that we read about in Exodus in Egypt when those plagues were coming on them. It says, darkness was over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt, and then it says, but the children of Israel had light. That's Exodus 10, 21 through 23. And so a darkness is going to come upon them that they can fill. And what they're feeling is a pain that's a starving and a toiling for food. And it says, in the midst of all this pain, they gnaw their tongues, which means to chew or to squeeze the tongue. So you keep blaspheming God, eventually God's going to have you gnaw your own tongue. <laughs> You wonder if they're gnawing them, you know what, because they're so hungry. Because again, the word pain is associated with famine. Really what it is, though, is again, they're in a place of torment, and it really is a preview of, of eternal hell. Matthew thirteen forty nine, And so it will be at the end of the age, angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't know, gnashing of teeth even sounds better than gnawing of the tongue. Then 2 Peter 2, 17, they are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved, notice the blackness of darkness forever. And again, Jesus talks about a flame of hell. It talks about darkness and hell, welling and gnashing of teeth, and they're getting a preview of it on earth. Now again, you read this and you grieve. The honest, oh, God's a, God's a monster for doing this. These people are just following their hearts. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus has already made the way of escape. Think about Jesus on the cross. He was atoning for our sin. I remember darkness came upon the Lamb for three hours. He took this wrath due us upon himself. Notice Luke 23, 44. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. 
That's noon to three o'clock. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Jesus bore the wrath to us upon the cross. The veil being torn in the temple, it's a picture of, again, Jesus making that way to enter into the presence of God in relationship with God because he atoned for our sins. And how do we partake of that? We humble our hearts and we call out to Christ to be our Lord. We repent from sin. We turn from sin to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. And to wash and cleanse whoever calls on his name. Look at this darkness as well. It, it, it ushers in the light of the second coming because we're getting very near that in Revelation. Notice Mark 13, 24, Jesus speaking of this time. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Let me tell you, when Jesus shows up, everything gets lit. And then finally here, verse 11. You think this would bring him to repentance, right? But no, they blaspheme God, or excuse me, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. This is them not only not repenting, but it's them blaming God for their situation. And this is on them. Again, to blaspheme means to blame or curse. It means to villainize. Again, that's what Satan did when he tempted man with the original sin. You know, that God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he said not, don't eat from the tree. God's the bad guy. And here they are all these thousand years later with all this wrath being poured out, still believing that. It's kind of like Elijah when Ahab, the wicked king, you know, there was a drought in the land because of Ahab and Israel's sin. And it says Elijah called that plague on them because of their sin according to the scriptures. And then Ahab finally sees Elijah and says, oh, you troubler of Israel. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> and he answered, I haven't troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals or Beelzebub. But men not wanting to take responsibility for their sin. You're the trouble. And think about Paul in Acts 24. He's being judged. And they say about him, Acts 24, 5, we found this man to be a plague, a creator of dissension among the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Again, he's the troublemaker. No, it's the sin of men that's causing all of this. But they don't want to deal in truth. It's God's fault. God's the bad guy. And you see some of you run around like that today. If there was a God in heaven, we'd never have COVID-19. COVID-19 came because of the sin of man in the garden. God said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Wars came, disease came, abuse came. All of that came because man said, I'll do what I want to do. I will be my own God, and God's not a liar. He said, you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Everything's going to change, and it absolutely has. And God could have left us there, but he sent his son to make that way of salvation. So they blaspheme the God of heaven. They keep vilifying God, cursing God because of their pains and their sores. And again, this goes back to that first bowl where these sores and pains are on them who took the mark of the beast. 
Remember, it says, foul and loathsome sores came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and worshiped the image. The word foul means stinks or evil, loathsome, vicious, or devilish. And again, it seems that it comes through this mark that invites the demonic in. It's something that just doesn't take. An affection is, again, the result of a germ or parasite. And we talked about this over and over again, singularity and this push for emerging a man and, and machine. You know, you see it all over, the, even the Zuckerberg character, you know, the metaverse. It is goofy, dude, goofy stuff, but pushing a wicked agenda. Dude, get those things off your face and go play in a field. This is goofy, goofy nonsense. What I learned from church tonight, Steve said the metaverse is goofy. I stand by it too. But they push this stuff. And again, though, we saw in Daniel 2.43 that this isn't going to mix. Talks about iron and clay at the end of the age, trying to merge it together. Men are made out of clay. Machines made out of iron. <laughs> Verse 43 of Daniel 2, we're almost done. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay and they mingled with the seed of men. The seed of men, that's talking about the DNA of man. But they would not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix the clay. I got a newsflash for all those high ups in Silicon Valley. It ain't gonna work. Not because you can't do it, because you probably can. It ain't gonna work because God will not allow it. Gonna break out into an infection that again, causes men to blaspheme God and in their great rebellion they still won't repent of their deeds again to repent it means to think differently it means to reconsider they still won't reconsider their position look at they're committed to sin to self to Satan all the way to hell well heavenly father we just bless you tonight and give you praise God I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you, Lord, that you call all unto yourself as you are the only way to the Father. I hope and pray, Lord, all of us here tonight have called upon Christ. I pray, God, that we would have a, Lord, biblical God worldview. And Lord, absolutely a biblical understanding of salvation and judgment and your wrath. I do pray, God, it would cause us to rejoice all the more in the work of the cross where you literally took the wrath due us upon yourself. You laid down your life as the wages of our sin is death, but you defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell when you rose from the grave. I hope and pray, God, if there's any here who have not called on you, they'd repent tonight and call upon Christ. As you say in the word, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. I pray as well, God, that again, we would be stirred. Lord, we would know, God, these aren't words penned by men, but the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men and penned these things. And heaven and hell, they are, they are real places. And Lord, I pray that we would be stirred to pray for folks we know, folks we love. God, folks that even irritate us, we'd pray for their salvation. They need the Lord desperately. And God, give us an overwhelming burden and love for the lost and a boldness and the ability to, 
to share Jesus with people, even if it's just through giving them a gospel track, one of those little booklets about Jesus. Amazing how easy that is to do. Lord, bless the rest of our night here, our fellowship. Thank you for all these saints that God made the time to come out here. I hope and pray they've been blessed and encouraged. And just bless the rest of our evening. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.